0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of Biotech CEOs. Today we have four very special guests, my friends, um, who are gonna share with us the story behind all the momentum driving life sciences development in Atlanta. That's right, I said Atlanta. Eddie Lay represents the Chamber of Commerce. Courtney Law uh, represents Uh, a a group called Biolocity, which bridges two outstanding universities, Emory and Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. Ryan Lawler is from BioSparks Labs, and Suna Mm Lameth is representing a VC with a very different business model called Portal Innovations. I'll be sharing more about each one and their organizations as we go through the podcast. Mm -hmm. But welcome to all of you. I'm really excited to have all of you here. Um, I'll start with you, Eddie. Eddie is the, the senior manager of life sciences and digital health uh, for Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce, and he directs the Metro Chamber's recruitment and growth strategies for life sciences. Prior to joining the chamber here in Atlanta, Eddie served as the operations and strategy administrative fellow at Emory Healthcare. And then as the first administrator of Emory Healthcare's Innovation Lab, of course, here in Atlanta. Eddie's got a BS in health services from Drexel University and a master's in public health from Boston University. Eddie, can you give us a feeling in terms of where Atlanta currently stands in terms of life sciences? How many people work in the field, you know, what the economic contribution is. Uh, what have been the traditional strengths that
1: sort of thing sure thing thanks uh, again for the, the intro Tim and appreciate you having me on uh the, the show today and um great to be here with friends as well um so as mentioned Eddie Lott- Lott with the Metro Atlanta Chamber um uh, been doing this role now for uh a year almost two years and so um and coming from myself uh the, the healthcare delivery uh, side of things uh, at Emory Healthcare, which is of course uh, one of our local academic medical centers, as part of our healthcare system, and and later on we'll we'll talk about it I'm sure as well. But part of the the larger life sciences healthcare ecosystem, as we talk about the growth um, in the area, and just for some background, um, I cover Metro Atlanta, um, and so uh, we are 29 counties that's federally designated um and so a large catchment area um but certainly a lot of different opportunities for um activity going on in life sciences um the the activity is is as many in markets are driven by is, is largely from some of the uh universities uh that are in our area as well as um just companies coming here um and, and we'll talk about it soon as well but some of the things that we talk about uh in, in regards to um reasons to come to to Georgia and the metro Atlanta region include um, the affordability not only of um, general cost of living compared to other markets that life sciences and biotech might be hot in, but also uh, the cost of doing business. In fact, Georgia was just uh, ranked the number one state to do business for the 10th year in a row uh, by Area Magazine, which we were celebrating um, uh, all locally with our our different partners. And to get a sense of uh, the the companies um, in the region, there's a mix of Pharmaceutical manufacturing and R and D um, and biotech as well, whether that's startup or large, uh, you know, household names that will I'm sure we'll talk about later as well. But um, certainly a range all across the state and certainly in the metro. Um, and so, in regards to um, numbers, uh, we can drill down on that. But certainly, um, you know, coming from the workforce, um, from the different schools as well as the technical um, colleges and training programs in the area. Um, the area continues to grow and pr- shows promise of a lot of growth into the future. Is there,
0: is there a budget, Eddie, in terms of where um, the leaders in, in city government and, and the chamber um, might hope to see the city in terms of life sciences, say, in five years? Is there is there a goal? You
1: know... We as a regional chamber, we're we're private not-for-profit, certainly working with our local uh, city governments and, and municipal and, and county groups. Um, but in regards to what the future promises, I think that uh, a lot of the local economic development groups are are very hopeful for the future. I'll give an example that we just went to Bio International uh, in Boston, which of course is a known as the healthcare mecca uh, in some ways and. and, and biotech mecca and um, we had a number of communities all throughout the metro and the state um, contribute um, funds to um, help uh, showcase Georgia to to the world really as well as um, showcase um, what we're doing to um, kind of a more curated um, reception type situation and so um, uh, I think the the local folks uh, with economic development as well as the students and faculty are, are all really excited about what's to come. In terms of specifics, I think everyone's trying um, their best intentionally to make sure that we are growing the region. Um, so uh, some examples of that are uh, certain cities and regions are changing their, their zoning laws, right, to be able to accommodate for uh, things such as, uh, you know, office space to lab conversions or a little bit more leniency with uh, ability to um, kind of build up that life sciences ecosystem. Um, Just last week uh, at the Georgia Bio uh, Life Sciences Summit, um, the Bio Ready Cities Initiatives was announced, or Communities Initiatives was announced that um, was kind of lifted from the Mass uh, Life Sciences program um, to help uh, communities and cities and regions uh, position themselves to have the right resources and um, infrastructure to be ready for life sciences uh, companies, whether that's again early stage R and D to uh, manufacturing of, of all sorts. And so, um, in in terms of budget and promise, I think everyone's looking forward to that future, and and that's demonstrated by some of these things that I just listed above.
0: Okay, good. So Courtney Law is the managing director at Biolocity, and it provides funding and project management and consulting services. Uh, to new technologies from Emory and Georgia Tech. And since 2015, the programs awarded more than $10 million across, I think, 65 different projects and ultimately generated uh, more than $160 million in follow-on investment. Prior to moving to Atlanta, Courtney was at Gonzaga Universities, uh, and she was the director of uh, the University of Washington School of Medicine, Gonzaga uh, University Regional Health Partnership, um, working with both both institutions to advance research, research and entrepreneurship, so kind of a stepping stone to uh, now working between Emory and Georgia Tech. Courtney has a, a PhD in pharmaceutical studies from uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and completed her postdoc work at the Biomanufacturing Research Institute in Durham, North Carolina. Courtney, I'm going to call it a joint venture, but maybe you can better inform me between Georgia Tech and Emory. How did that uh, bioengineering program, how did it come about? And I know it's received some notoriety recently. Um, Maybe you can tell us about that and, and especially spotlight why the success of that sort of combination is so unusual and inspiring.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you um, for having me and for that introduction. Um, Yeah, I can tell you a little bit more about our department and our program. So, thank you for sharing a little bit more about Biolocity. We are that um, early stage funding for technologies out of Emory and Georgia Tech, but we've been a part of the Department of Biomedical Engineering since its um, inception over 20, 25 years ago. Um, We have changed and evolved um, as the needs of our program has evolved, Um, but um, the development of our department was around really supporting and um, promoting biomedical research and then also that translation of the research, so going from bench to bedside. Um, So it's a unique department because it is between a public and private institution. It is Officially the Wallace H. Culture Department. Um, so we are actually a part of, net, of a network of other culture translational programs um, across the US, all trying to support commercialization. Um, as you mentioned, we've recently got a few great marks. I think in this last year, we've been ranked number one both um, from the undergraduate and graduate programs. So it's really great to one be a part of this department, be a part of these institutions, um, and being able to um, continue to foster uh, innovation out of or or health-related innovation out of the schools.
0: Great, great. Um, Ryan Lawler is the general manager of Biospark Labs. It's a nonprofit um, providing shared wet lab and, and clean room space. Uh, for life sciences, anchored in the new Atlanta Science Square. Ryan has over a decade of experience as, as an administrative leader and biotech manager in the public and private sector. She supports the growth of life sciences as part of the Science Square development and manages the startup activities of Biospark Labs. Ryan's a graduate of University of Georgia and has an MBA from, from Georgia Tech. Ryan, you're working through Biospark Labs to facilitate, in terms of lab space in particular, efforts to help academics at at Georgia Tech think about commercializing their research. And part of that effort is the development of Science Square, which abuts the Georgia Tech campus. Can you tell us how that came to be and what your vision is in terms of its development and your space in it?
3: Yeah, so um, Biospark Labs, like you know Tim mentioned, it's a wet lab clean room facility for early stage startup companies. Uh, we have artificial ligaments, uh, a knee meniscus implant, and bioinformatics that replace live animal models uh, going on in this space. But Biospark Labs was founded and funded by the Economic Development Affiliate of Georgia Tech, known as Georgia Advanced Technology Ventures. Um, there's a ten point five million dollar investment in the build out of equipment um, infrastructure and in the building here. So Biospark Labs supports the entire life science community in Atlanta and in the state of Georgia. Um you know, going on to the, the vision for success here in Science Square and Biospark, um we really want to just allow companies to uh commercialize their life science technology to improve the human condition, um, consistent with our institute's strategic goals, uh, while also engaging the Westside community of English Avenue, Vine City, um, to be a part of this redevelopment.
0: Great. Uh, Meth is the Director of Operations at Portal Innovations of Atlanta. Portal Innovations is a venture development engine that bridges research and entrepreneurship in the life sciences through the commercial proof of concept uh, level by delivering seed capital, lab space and equipment, and management expertise to early stage companies. Mm -hmm. Suna holds a BS in biomedical engineering from George Washington, a master's in material science and engineering with a nanotechnology focus from Johns Hopkins, And an MBA from the business school at Emory, where she's also served as a graduate teaching assistant in entrepreneurship. Suna, can you share with us a little bit about the business model at Portal? Because it's really unique.
4: Yeah, it's uh thank you for that Tim. Thanks for the introduction. So Portal if it is what it what it's called, right? It's a portal, it's a portal to resources and we do have a focus on early stage biotech companies. Um aside from a VC traditional VC operational model, we do consider ourselves as providing more resources to help accelerate the process of commercialization in a very critical time which is, you know, the the point in which uh, some people call it the the valley of death, but the valley of death as <laughs> results from um, biotech founders and teams trying to get to a certain point where they can actually start to accelerate and scale, uh, do the experimentation and um, clinical and, and preclinical studies that are required to help them keep going and make more discoveries, get closer to getting to the patient. So we are a for-profit, just like many VCs, but we also provide lab space, um, fully equipped lab space, very similar to university core shared equipment. Um, The reasoning for that is that, you know, sometimes companies, when they do spin out of the universities, which is a very traditional model of how to actually uh, launch a biotech startup, all this in wet lab space, is that, Those facilities are hard to come by outside of the university system. And there's a very different mindset uh, versus academic research and even um, internal innovation coming from faculty and then being in an environment that reinforces that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, You're going through the same difficulties, looking at problems in a more commercialized lens. And so to be able to be an engine in which we can provide resources, not only capital, but also access to the the expensive equipment that most companies would spend a pretty dime on very similar to biosparks we want to provide that so that you're not spending this early stage capital on those those equipment right and then also getting access to our network. And we have a national network. So we're we are launching in Atlanta, but um, we, you know, our headquarters is in Chicago. We have an office in Bo- South Boston, and then also com- one coming in Houston. So leveraging the resources nationally and pouring it into the founders that are working out of our space so that we can accelerate their ability to secure Series A funding. Um, and so that's that's essentially our model is how can we be a portal to the national resources in these emerging ecosystems and how and how can we really bolster support and pour into the ecosystems with our partners biolocity the the mac um, and also the companies in the and who are nearby us at biospark and these other labs like how do we really buy into the theory of rising tide lifts all ships. Well, you need to keep the talent here. You need to allow them to scale. You need to pour into them and show them all the love and how that kind of translates into biomedical um, commercialization success, like what that means in our field. And I'm sure we're gonna talk about that, but how do we really just like put them in this situation where you're getting easier access to capital, to resources, to knowledge, and then how our theory and what we're testing out ourselves is that should lead to a scalable business that, that has everything it needs to scale locally, um, even though it's in a traditionally unrecognized or um, emerging ecosystem that tends to have features that don't resemble the coasts, right? So, right. so and, we're testing that out. That's our model.
0: That, that is the, the most interesting part of it to me because you're going where they ain't, yeah, right? Um, You are in Boston, but it's it's a smaller operation there. You need to have a presence there, but you're not yet in San Francisco. How did you decide to come to Atlanta?
4: Um, Well, it really did. It it is based off of the experience of um, Portals, CEO and founder, which is John Flavin, who has um, traditionally worked with the entrepreneurial side of a lot of research uh, institutions in Chicago. And, and he's had successes of sending companies that were born in an emerging ecosystem of Chicago uh, and in securing uh, successful rounds and then seeing those companies go to Boston just because the resources were in Boston, especially the money, the capital, the VCs that typically traditionally want to be nearby these companies that they're investing and in. they want to see them. Um, and so his whole theory is that, you know, <laughs> not everybody wants to live in Boston. Uh, and that might be a disservice, because even though it is the global capital of biotech research, uh, it's still a bubble, and so to send something that's born of the essence of one ecosystem to another ecosystem, you're 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 almost implying that that company is going to be shifting and changing in a certain way, losing some of that essence that could have made it very successful had it continued to scale in that local ecosystem. So the thought of portal is to hey, let's find some investors that believe that the talent, the science, everything's robust. And it was in Chicago. Um, I I wanna say we're looking at like a five to eight year lead that they have on something like Atlanta, but essentially it's the numbers of patents coming out of uh, world-renowned universities, the innovators, the historical record of licensing out great IP um, to big pharma uh, that goes in early and, and develops it in in their institutions so just looking at all these factors um and especially the talent and great talent exists everywhere and from a humanistic kind of vision it's like not not every human wants to live in boston (laughs) so so how do we allow people to really embrace their environment that they want to be around have that maintain that essence in these ecosystems but then how do we make sure we're giving them what that ecosystem is lacking so we really look for those types of numbers and metrics it's the talent it's the university reputation it's it's um, ip
0: yeah not everyone wants to live in boston you know every time <laughs> i go to boston it could be in june it's cold every, <laughs> every single time well, so yeah. I guess, you know each of you considers the others as partners right all driving toward the same goal, but how did it come together? What was the momentum? What was the unifying force? Can anyone speak to that?
1: I'll, I'll jump in, and and I want to make a note real quick. I think as you were going through our intros, and we were talking through um, the different markets, and and you know, as we ultimately talk about Atlanta, you'll see that uh, a lot of us on this call, right, uh, have spent a lot of time in other markets, right, and so uh for us to be here talking about atlanta, partially it is our jobs, but partially um we we all see kind of the assets and 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 the opportunity that exists um having been in the other markets having been in those bubbles right and so that's where it's exciting to kind of um pontificate and talk about this um but i'll you know i'll answer your, uh, take a stab at your initial question um you know for the chamber um our whole goal is to uh, support uh, the business community and the really ultimately the the growth of the number of jobs in the region. Um, and, and to me, as someone who kind of studied in healthcare and went to delivery, I always think about the mission. And ultimately, um, the mission here is to increase the number of jobs to then um, help people right uh, find these opportunities. And of course, when we talk about life sciences um, um, in terms of industry, whether that, again, is from the R&D side to the venture capital side to manufacturing, um uh do provide great wages to the people. And so that's where we see some some opportunity and benefit. But in regards to working together, um, you know, you you see that each of us kind of represent a different part of the spectrum, if you will, of of a company's life stage and growth um from development, um, from an academic side with with Courtney and Biolocity and her team and and the the venture capital needed to to find the success to get through those valleys, right? Uh with Suna and Portal and and the to house these places so that they can do the research they need to get um ultimately like we talked about therapeutics and treatments of the right people um and 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 I can see uh, the chamber as, as part of that as well in regards to you know helping them um, find success in regards to connecting to these folks so what's cool is that because we're, we all know each other um whenever we hear about things in the news or or companies who are interested in Atlanta, whether that's you know coming from a VC side or um coming out of an academic side or or looking for space, we all talk to each other. And and for me, vice versa, if I'm talking to an early stage company or even someone with an idea, I'll say, well, do you know Suna? Do you know Courtney? Do you know Ryan? Depending on kind of what area they're coming from. And I think that's where the strength of 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 Atlanta and maybe the South comes from. You know, I think um, in the, in the Northeast, it's in, again, I grew up there, so don't, don't take me wrong on this, but it can be very like ivory tower ish, right. Just academic and, and, you know, um, competitive. Um, but you know, Atlanta is a market where you can have that, that, you know, same willpower and, and, and staying power and, and kind of growth power of, of these companies, but you still have that Southern hospitality charm and, and collaboration, which I think doesn't uh, just exists in, in our ecosystem here, but extends into all the business media.
0: Right. Okay. So we started as this podcast did, I guess, in, in terms of spotlighting CEO journeys and stories. But it's become, I think, a podcast to some degree for entrepreneurs or founders. So, Ryan, what is the process? Um someone's in a in a lab, in an academic lab at tech, and they have an idea that they think could have commercial potential. What is the process in terms of um lab space at, at BioLocity? What happens? How does that occur?
3: Um so if a company is needing lab space, um, well typically, yeah, that's First, they might have a patent, they might have funding, and then they sort of think of, okay, well, I need, I need a house. How do I move out of my academic lab into a space? So we try to like offer, you know, we're, we're, we just expanded. Um, so it's really word of mouth right now. But if, if somebody reach, reaches out to us, then we qualify them, um, you know, make sure that they have the, a life science research focus. And then they can uh, get into this space. All some of the, there's a shortage of there's a shortage of lab, wet lab, and clean room space here for commercialization in Atlanta, which you know is kind of the reason behind the genesis of Science Square. Um, but th- does that sort of answer your question? I think so. Okay.
0: <laughs> so one of the things that I always think about is how life sciences entrepreneurs are different from other tech entrepreneurs. Um, One of them I think is that they are not at all driven by money. But let's talk for a minute about um, what their needs are, maybe sooner, particularly in terms of mentorship, um, as opposed to other tech entrepreneurs or um, other entrepreneurs who are kind of just making widgets?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question, Tim. And so I'm going to request like a tag team here because I I feel like Courtney, you know, even what's unique about all of us is we come from different backgrounds, but I feel like, you know, Courtney's ability who's gone further down the path of what most biotech, you know, because it's deep tech, you have to have like a real specialized um, knowledge and that takes sometimes years to develop an expertise and you know anybody who's gone through a PhD program has kind of been formed to hit certain marks and second guess their abilities uh, and then get to a point where they have the confidence and the knowledge and, you know, the information they need to self-prove their knowledge base. And I feel like that that's a very special skill set that comes with a lot of uh, biotech founders in this field versus like, a uh, you know, IT digital type platforms where the high schooler could beat you out. Just because they've they've been tinkering uh, on computer platforms, right? This is just a very different, I think, process to get to the point where you have the confidence to even say, I think I have something here. Um, So I'm going to take it to there and just say that in my experience to actually have, you know, the say it with your chest. I'm an entrepreneur. I think that's a whole process in itself that comes from uh, discovering being in the right place at the right time in the right environment that actually pours into that notion versus steering some of these minds more towards uh, applying their curiosity to just discovery and research. I think there's there's a whole process and and so this is where I'm going to kick it off to Courtney because I think she she would be in a better position to kind of talk through what how it makes them different. I think it's very unique to this field. Court.
2: Yeah. No. This is great. Um... I like your example of, of the tinkering versus you know the the time spent. Part of it is the tools that are available at the time, right? So by going to grad like undergrad, graduate school, you have different tools that are available to you that may not be available to you earlier, just in terms of being within a laboratory. But I think um, from my perspective, especially working in the academic realm, that is the lifestyle that most most folks are leading. Like I'm here to do a lot of research. I'm here to teach, um, but I'm also very interested in being a serial innovator. Um, I think over the last few years, especially even in the time that I've been in this space, this field, um, I continue to see an increase in not only faculty members, but students that are interested in more of the entrepreneurial side as well. Like I'm really excited about, the, they come up with the mindset, I'm really excited about the um, discoveries that I'm making, but I'm also really excited about how I, I am going from bench to bedside. How am I getting these, these technologies out? And so there are several programs that I've seen, even locally between Emory and Georgia Tech, and I think even in the community um, that are student focused, where they are exploring those, those opportunities. Um, they're leveraging all of our resources um, to get that, that, um, that management talent perspective, that business perspective. Um, so they're learning alongside their more traditional um, research, research studies, like how am I thinking about the business? Um, and it's not, like I said, it's not even limited to like, hey, we're in the life sciences. I know the business schools have been involved and continuously want to get more involved. So I think it is a community-wide effort um, to kind of support this, I think, budding group of entrepreneurs um, that are coming out of the universities.
0: You know, it's interesting because um, you both mentioned sort of the difference, uh, biotech to um, to just you know, a guy fiddling with computers. Um, and, you know, there's a great documentary on Netflix about Jim Allison, who's responsible for developing the PDL1. Um, and he did it in a completely offbeat way that everybody thought was crazy. And he said that to be successful, you have to start by doing everything you can to disprove what you think is right and that's completely different from the way anybody else goes about you know approaching building a business
4: well to to be fair i think what's interesting about the business world if you'd agree tim um it, is they're almost taking more of a scientific approach to building businesses now. So that's like the discovery and, and challenging what they think is going to be successful. So what I think is very interesting is now people who are business minded are stepping into like putting on their scientist hat and almost taking from how we go, we went from discovery and applying it to businesses.
0: Right. Right. So there are, there's a man and a woman in a lab. They're both both postdocs and they have an idea. What particular advice might you have for them as they think about turning that idea into a company? Anybody wanna take that?
4: Well, for mine, it, I think it's exactly what you just said you got to prove it wrong. That's the whole fail fast uh, approach to save money, time. Um, and I think what makes this industry very special is even when you fail, the industry wins because that's information that somebody else can see a light forward in. Oh, that didn't work. That must mean this. So let me take it forward. So I think the the way we work it's, it's unfortunate that still, I think failure has this negative stigma to it, but you want to fail really, really fast. You do want to go out, You if the sky is blue, I want you telling me it's purple and telling me why it's not purple uh, and showing me the data that says it doesn't, it's not purple because all that information, um, if it checks out, it means you're so good. <laughs> you're so, you're so <laughs> onto something and that's information everybody can use to build off of. But yeah, you got to fail you you got to go to lose. <laughs> you got to be ready to lose cuz even in your failures, you're going to you're going to feed information that's going to drive you forward or your team forward. Somebody it's going to drive a spark. That's that's why you have brilliance in this industry too. It's going to it's going to start triggering some kind of like, oh, we should try it this way. We should do it this way instead. Oh, that's not true. Good to know. Now we're not going to waste time and money and we're going to probably get closer to the answer that we're trying to get that's that's mine. Exactly what you said.
0: Anybody like to add anything?
3: I, I would add, oh, oh go on, Courtney. Oh, I I'll make it short. <laughs> I, was, you know, Ryan, I was
2: like, what she said, Spark, I was like, oh right. Um <laughs> one thing I would say is reach out, reach out. There's no shortage of resources. Um, and we're all part of an ecosystem. So it is it is really getting outside of your lab, getting outside of the folks that you normally talk to. Um, you're going to get a lot of opinions from a lot of different people, but part of the process is deciphering which information is the information or advice that you're going to take to move forward because the whole idea is, again, like Suna said, um, it benefits if you're like, oh, I had this idea. Maybe this isn't the right approach. Now it opens you up for time to think about something else. But I think the getting outside of the lab and learning what these resources are, there is sometimes it's word of mouth, sometimes they're advertised, but I think it is like becoming part of the community helps you actually go
3: through this process yeah absolutely just just to piggyback off of that um i i think you know, two postdocs have an idea you know one approach first go to your institution's commercialization office if, if you're at georgia tech i would encourage you to talk to harold solomon and from venture labs um you you would need to get that coaching on you know what it takes to go from an idea to a business you know what are the steps to get there you know fee, um, might be able to help you in that area as well but also once science square is done in in the spring come over here meet people here in the ecosystem go to social events um and it's not just to to, it's not just for fun recreation but it's also because you're actually um starting to make those connections understand how your idea can be useful in the space here so i would encourage that
0: yeah Uh, and
1: i'll say uh oh go
0: ahead no no please
1: um. To, to cap that off, I would say um, additional to looking at these resources and, and to Suna's earlier point on the scientific side of, you know, failing fast and kind of that principle is, um, you know, as you grow and as you grow and as you um, kind of think about the future practically, um, thinking about, you know, what, what those thing, needs are going to be in terms of expenses and access and things like that. And um, ultimately, that's where I think um, companies will be driven to to come to Atlanta and pay attention to that more, uh, whether they're already here coming out of the great academic institutions we have, or in markets where maybe they're feeling the squeeze of, of rent, right? Or or they want to get away from the cold, as simple as that. I mean, um, all types of ways that people are thinking about, um, you know, practically how to grow their company in, a, um, in the kind of environment we live in, right? Uh, in the both virtual and and kind of practical sense that we, we need to engage with.
0: Yeah, I think someone mentioned the competitiveness of the coast. And that's part of how I think about the benefit and the opportunity of Atlanta. Because what is demonstrated by this association and podcast is that unlike the coast, This is a nurturing kind of environment. And I think that one of the differences um, between biotech entrepreneurs and others is that the science and the personalities to some degree of those entrepreneurs can benefit more than others. From that kind of nurturing that's what's most exciting that's what sets this apart from boston san francisco um, that's what's important here
1: yeah tim i i really appreciate that i think to your point um you know especially in in biotech and in healthcare and these kind of these fields a lot of people came into it because they wanted to help people, right? Whether that's on the delivery side of you know getting these therapeutics to, um, you know, to the to the patients directly at bedside, or on the R and D side and 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 thinking through and the the challenges that um, need to get through to practically heal people, right? And so to your point, uh, the personalities I've found. Who are in this are are oftentimes um not only very knowledgeable but they're they're very mission driven right and and so kind of how do you and and now the question comes on on the business side then uh you know what what practical steps do you need to to marry that mission plus the 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 realities that exist to to build your company so that your mission can be
0: fulfilled so we've talked about all the benefits of what's happening in atlanta all the excitement, the momentum. But let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges and what is happening to overcome those. And I'm sure everyone's got got a fin- feeling about that. But maybe we'll start with Ryan.
3: Uh, yeah, so one thing that um, we see, right, well, of course, the shortage of space, um, available for commercialization. But I think our civic leaders and institutions are um, tired of the exodus of IP, of researchers, of commercialization and of jobs from the Atlanta market. Um, and so I think the emergence of Atlanta as a life science destination was recognized by national real estate. Um, and that's what's funded Science Square, CalSTRS, the California Teachers Retirement of California um, and Tremel Crow. Um, See the strength here in Atlanta from the research institutions, or and the state of Georgia, um, from the hospitals, from the CDC, you know, and the talent. the things that Suna said of why Portal picked this place.
0: Right, and there's a, there's a Calster's connection directly with Portal as well, right, Suna?
4: Yeah, there are there's some LPS for us.
0: Yeah. Okay, Courtney.
2: Yeah, no, I think Ryan said it beautifully. I think so. I'm still relatively new to Atlanta. I feel like I'm relatively new. I've been here for three years. I think actually in these three years, Eddie, Ryan, and Suna, all of your positions were created in these three <laughs> years in the last three years. So I think that it's a testament of the, um, ecosystem seeing where there are gaps is like, what do we need? Lab stage, what do we need to support more funding coming in? Um, and it's not, let's just build for now, it's building for the future. And so I think some of the gaps, like, which I think are gaps in a lot of different um, um, ecosystems, it's always like, where's the talent, where's um, the lab space, and where's the funding? I think the community itself is saying, okay, we're here, we hear you. Um, how do we start supporting those, either building infrastructure or bringing in um, additional folks from outside to help, again, keep folks here? Um, but support the ecosystem here. So I, I think the more, um, the more conversations that we have like this and the conversations that we have within the community helps us to continuously improve how we're supporting the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, Please. thanks for that, Courtney. Um, you know, I'll I'll just note, actually, the chamber has been involved with some, f- some form of life sciences and healthcare and digital health, health IT um, since, uh, honestly, the, the early 2000s, which is which is really cool because I, you know, I've been able to kind of see and dig into some of the history and some of the different initiatives that have been exciting, and and, and even the you know the IP and the companies that have come through and come out of Atlanta. Um, but I would say that um, you know, as Ryan and and Asuna and Courtney kind of mentioned, some of the the pieces that are now being addressed uh, in regards to space, um, non academic space, in regards to um, early stage funding, uh, in regards to um, just, uh, you know, the workforce as well. Um, I think that, um, you know, these are certainly things that are always part of any company's growth, um, in Atlanta. Um, like we said, we, we look at these problems and we we try to uh, think creatively and solve them in the way that we do, um, and, and who we are. Um, but, um, you know, looking to see not replicating necessarily, certainly like looking at what other markets have done, but knowing that, um, you know, we already have all the assets we need. And so how do we catalyze that in a way that will be very practical, um, but also um, kind of um, efficient and strategic into the future?
0: You know, Atlanta is is a nascent, you know, life sciences community. And so to that degree, all of you are entrepreneurs. You're building something from almost nothing, Um, and so entrepreneurs dream, and then they work to realize those dreams. So I'd like to ask how each of you see, um, this work germinating and, and, you know, what success means in 10 years. Anybody want to start with that?
3: start by saying in 10 years what successful looks like is we will have a very succinct and clear answer for you when you say two postdocs a boy and a girl have an idea what do they do <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be like look there's the you know exactly here's what you do because it's happening all of the time here and and a lot of people it's common knowledge now
0: okay
4: and so- yeah, yeah I think for me um Yeah, I'm a dreamer. Um, I think 10 years now, I, and this is, it's not that I'm anti-Boston, even though I'm a Ravens fan. Um, It is that I believe that, I believe in inclusion. And I do think that this is why Atlanta is seen as so special Um, as compared to Chicago, which is also a very diverse ecosystem. There is no other city in the U.S. that produces the type of talent that Atlanta has been able to produce and even retain to, retain to a certain extent um, in terms of just women in this field, in terms of underrepresented minorities in this field. I think what's beautiful, which is also the same challenge, is that whereas some of these more established ecosystems are well-structured and their limits are almost realized, there is no limit here in Atlanta. And so what I what I am seeing is by having it be naturally, not even forcefully, just by way of being here, even just look at the screen, just by Atlanta being Atlanta, you're gonna get representation from a vast amount of people coming from different backgrounds, different perspectives. I think when you have that many voices, coming to a proverbial table or walking a certain path and saying like coming together for a mission as Eddie Eddie kind of alludes to, of just like, let's walk together. We're learning how to walk together because we have no limit. It's never been done before. It's never been seen before. So what happens when you start to add discovery and support and capital and infrastructure and resources and knowledge into that pot to where somebody who, and some of these other ecosystems probably had more limitations to even start executing on that idea. Now you're going to see that idea, make it to a stage where people are, it's going to be on a platform. People are not even going to realize that was a problem. I feel like there is no other city in the U S where you can bring these resources together and 10 years from now, start addressing problems or solving, actually solving problems Developing the devices, developing the therapeutics that solve problems that people didn't even know was a thing because it was in a different ecosystem and it just didn't grow there. So what I'm seeing in ten years is we're we're creating a new industry here in Atlanta. When we say biotech, it's going to mean so much more than it means today.
0: Good, good, Courtney.
2: I follow um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I these. Think, I think Ryan and Tina really hit it on the head. I think what I see, I, I feel like there's just so much good stuff coming out of the institutions. And I only get to sit really between Emory and Georgia Tech when I talk to folks at other institutions locally, like whether it's GSU or watching people talk from Morehouse or what's going on in Spelman. I feel like there's so many different institutions and then even broader outside of Atlanta, UGA, my, my friends there, for uh, the folks at like the middle, like um, in Augusta, I think there's just so much going on um, that hopefully we'll continue to grow in our support and be able to have more of that connectivity. So it is more like, oh, I'm doing um, X research with folks at what children's or I'm doing X research with whatever, um, whatever other school or the CDC or wherever. Um, but there's that infrastructure that's now supporting all those things. So right now I think we all have our different touch points because we all have our focus. Um, But I think in 10 years, um, like Suna said, I think um, being able to see what all the different infrastructure, the different research that's going on in these different institutions, I think brings a different flavor because there's not another ecosystem like this one. Um, So I think that there is, we have the unique opportunity to like really put our, our mark on
1: the world and you know he- one one thing that um Suna posted i think i i shared it with her first and she made some broadcasted uh great broadcasts to the world but future uh who's the rapper um he has a stem lab uh here in atlanta through his foundation i think it's a family foundation that he does but um you know soon put a really great you know where else but atlanta can can you have a rapper? with a STEM lab, right? And and so to that point, what I see in 10 years is um, opportunities for people here uh, to have jobs that are uh, meaningful. I mean, every job is meaningful. But, you know, in in life sciences, again, we're biased on this call. But, um, you know, we believe that um, the things that are are being done here are are really changing uh, the world and and lives. And so that um, those people can look to the Biosparks and the science squares and, um, you know, the portals of the world and say like, I can be that when I grow up and I can stay here to do that. Um, additionally, I think that, um, we're going to see again, putting on my chamber of commerce hat is that we're going to see, um, a mix of, of companies that are coming out of, uh, the institutions here, um, not just having an asterisk saying, Oh, the IP was developed at so-and-so university, um, but rather that this company was made and built and, and grown here. Right. Um, and then that we're not, again, we're not aligned in the article, but we're the headline. Um, additionally, um, you know, again, small companies, big companies getting attracting um, the incumbents that exist and, and growing the future incumbents of the future. And so as a call to action, I would tell people that um, when, uh, and I tell this to my friends in the Northeast all the time, next time you're flying through Atlanta, not just as a layover, get off the plane, hit one of us up any of us on this call and we'll show you around. And um, next time, instead of getting off the plan for a layover, you're going to be landing here as your future destination.
0: All very well said. I think the the what you're all saying is that what's special about this is that it can be anything we want because it's just starting. And so, What I would say to that man or woman um, on a lab bench at at Tech or Emory or wherever it happens to be, a garage, I don't know, um, is that, yes, you can build your company here, and, yes, you can sell it to Merck for a billion dollars, but you can do one more thing. By staying here, you can help to create an environment that will help other entrepreneurs help more patients and sell their company to Merck for a billion dollars. And that more than the medicine that you created is a legacy. And that's more important than money. So I'd like to thank everyone for, for being my guest today. I hope that uh, everyone's gotten a flavor for what's happening in Atlanta and how excited we are about it. And, uh, Please feel free to, as Eddie said, hit each one of us up on uh, LinkedIn or whatever it happens to be. And uh, we'd love to share more about uh, the momentum that is is happening in Atlanta. Thank you all very much for your time. I enjoyed it tremendously. Thank you.
3: Thank
0: you. Thanks, Tim. It was fun. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for tuning in to the Life Sciences and Biotech podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. The information contained in this website and podcast are purely informational and not considered investment recommendations. Tim Doherty's participation in Biotech Insights is separate and apart from his role as an investment advisor representative. Nothing contained herein can be construed as a recommendation or endorsement of any of the companies discussed. Tim Doherty also has no financial affiliation with any of the companies mentioned in this communication. Tim Doherty makes no representation that the information contained in this material is accurate and is under no obligation to update this information as changes occur.